Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all new Rate Shield Approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield Approval is a real game changer. And here's why Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. And if the rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if the rates go down, your rate also drops. So you win either way. It is the kind of thinking that you would expect from America's largest mortgage lender. And to get started, just go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. It's Wednesday, September 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio for the first time in a long time, that's because he's in town, Matt Kopenheffer. Hey, Chris. How are you? I am fantastic. It is great to be here. You're looking good. Thanks. You always it's, look good. You it's always... the beard, isn't it? It's not the beard. <laughs> the beard looks fine. But you just always have. If my wife's listening, she's going to be happy you said that. (laughs) The beard's fine. It's fine. That's not why you look it. We've got earnings, and we've got uh, an upcoming IPO that we need to talk about. Let's let's start with Nike though. First quarter revenue just under ten billion dollars. Profits were fifteen percent higher than a year ago, and apparently. It just wasn't good enough for some people because Nike shares down one and a half percent. You can't please everybody, can you? They, Apparently they just, not. They just want so much. I mean, it it looked like a really it looked like a really good quarter as far as beating expectations. As always, I mean, you're talking about a couple of pennies on the bottom line. Revenue just barely beat, but I mean, it's higher than than people were expecting. The Across the world, Nike continues to perform well. Its digital operations are performing really well. And as a runner, and you're a runner as well, one of the things that I really appreciate about Nike is when you think about business innovation, they're actually doing it. Uh, We just saw Elliot Kipchoge break the world marathon record. What shoes was he wearing? Nike. Nikes. So they are really pushing the envelope as far as actual innovation goes in shoes. One of the one of the places that they talked about on the conference call that they've been falling a little bit further behind on is the intersection, as they called it, of sport and style. I think Adidas has been getting the jump on them there, but they are looking at that. But like you said, not enough, right? <laughs> here's here's the thing that I was that I was looking at. By the way, d- down one and a half percent today. If you're a shareholder. I, I shed no tears for you. The stock is up fifty five percent over the past year. Yeah, that's that's fair, but it's I mean it's still surprising if you're waking up and you're looking at Nike Beats. Why is the stock down? Well, part of it at least is I had to do a double take on this. If you adjust Nike's earnings over the past twelve months because they had a higher tax rate due to the, the tax changes, for, it's trading at 46 times earnings, so up 55% over the past year. This is a pretty healthy, healthy multiple. And so, when you're looking at that kind of a multiple, they came out and basically said, even though it's been a good start to the year, we're going to maintain full-year guidance. And part of that is is currency fluctuations and uncertainty about all these trade things going on around the world. So, you're looking at a stock that I don't think I'm out on a limb here saying it's a little bit expensive. So, you you really want everything to be firing along, management to be saying, ah, it's excellent, we're expecting more, higher, everything, all of the things. And it just wasn't that on the conference call. I, I want to get to one aspect of this that you and I were talking about earlier today, and that has to do with trade. But one thing I do want to point out, you reminded me of this. that So, we've talked about Technology companies, and Apple is probably the easiest example that 
come out with a product, they come out with upgrades to that product, and at some point, that product either goes away or some version of it goes away, and they they create their own obsolescence. It occurred to me recently that, uh, and Nike's not alone in this, but it occurred to me that companies that are in the business of producing running shoes appear to have this tactic down quite nicely, because I don't go through as many pair of of running shoes in a year as you do, but I go through a few yeah. and. I find a pair that I like. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we, they don't make that anymore. They don't make that model <laughs> anymore. And that's, but the, you know, to to Nike's credit, mm-hmm. and Brooks, and you know, Brooks is part of Berkshire Hathaway. You know, to but specifically since we're talking about Nike, to Nike's credit, they do a very good job, a very effective job. And if you're a shareholder, you have to be happy about this, of creating products that people like, and then. Tweaking them, upgrading them, and getting rid of them, so you have to buy something else. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I've I've been tempted to upgrade to Nike products. That there have actually been people that that are doing studies on how much your marathon time could improve just by wearing Nike shoes. So when you talk about the upgrades and the differences in the different shoes. Now, Adidas had had the lead for a little bit. They came out with this Boost technology that's a midsole um, that was helping marathoners set new records and, and win races. But now Nike has pushed, pushed further ahead. Well, and that guy, I mean, he broke the world record for the marathon. He shattered it. It was like over a minute he beat it by, right? It was it was an impressive it was an impressive performance. So something we were talking about, and I think this I think this came up on the Nike call, um, just in terms of, and maybe this speaks to why the stock is down ever so slightly today. A little bit of caution on the part of management with respect to the trade landscape, mm-hmm. and we saw that with Nike. We saw that with this. Survey that came out this week from the Business Roundtable, where nearly two thirds of, of CEOs who were surveyed said essentially that they were scaling back their investment plans because of all of the trade talk, all of the talk of, of tariffs. Yeah, I've been I've been working overseas. I was working overseas for the past three years. I was in Germany, um, doing some stuff in the the UK now, and in the US. I I don't think we really know what it's like to have regulations <laughs> when after working in in some of these other countries in Europe and now we hear about what's going on with the the NAFTA talks and who knows how that's going to shake out but there's the potential that Canada wouldn't be a part of of the next uh, form of of the NAFTA agreement and we'll do a deal with Mexico and then we'll do a separate deal with Canada. Yeah, and 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 when you have those kind of patchworks right now there is a a fairly Free flow of goods across this continent, and that's that's a big deal. Similar to what you were just saying in terms of the, the survey concerning CEOs, how they're investing. I saw a survey in the in the UK. Uh, this was supply chain managers saying that ten uh, percent, one in ten UK companies is at risk of going bankrupt because of holdups in imports of ten to thirty minutes at customs because of Brexit. So. Just things, the ripple effect of that. Just the ripple effect of that, because these managers have become so used to having very lean operations, simple inventories, not holding a lot on inventory, having effective 
easy to manage supply chains. And when you have these delays at customs and imports, that changes all of that math. And, and companies could actually go bankrupt from that. And so even the companies that aren't thinking about going bankrupt, and this gets back to Nike here and their caution about the future, you maybe want to keep more on hand, more inventory. You have to plan a little bit more for delays and extra costs. And so this, these things have big ripple effects. So you see these easy headlines, and it's like, oh, we're going to be tough on, tougher on Canada and win this trade negotiation. Well, let's pump the brakes on that. That can, that can have really big impacts on businesses in the U.S. and all over the world. Let's move on to KB Home. Third quarter profits for KB Home came in higher than expected. They're Help me understand why this stock is down 5%, because they looked good on profits. Their operating margins are getting better, not worse. This is, this is not like Nike, which was, <laughs> is, is up 55% over the past year. This is a stock that's down about 25% year-to-date. And it, so this, on the surface, this appears to be a good quarter from a not-expensive stock. Yeah, I, that's the part of this could be the mystery that is Mr. Market. And what's even funnier about that is that I think it was up as much as four percent after the earnings announcement yesterday, uh, post market, and now it's down big today. Part of that could be everybody's looking at the Fed today. Everybody's thinking about rising rates. Rising rates not great for home builders because it raises the cost to to buyers. So that could be having something to do with it. There were concerns on the conference call about what, where we are in the cycle and how that's going to be for, for KB. Now, KB had a good response to that. They said, maybe we're, we're later in the cycle, but inventory levels are still particularly low. And they operate in the affordable part of the market. And they said in some areas, it's like two months of inventory, which is pretty darn low. So they're not concerned about it. Obviously, the market a little bit more so. In terms of cycles, though, I was I was looking at the KB earnings and I was like, okay, this is this is kind of interesting, but not that interesting for a lot of the dozens of listeners, maybe eleven of the dozens of listeners. Here's something that I found particularly interesting: we just celebrated the celebrated the ten year anniversary of the Lehman bankruptcy, right? So we're thinking back on two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Celebrated in air quotes. Celebrated in big, big air we quotes. Marked. Yeah, we, we marked. Yeah, we marked. We marked it with in red. So KB has recovered from the worst of, of that downturn. But over the past 12 months, including this, this past quarter, they're at about four and a half billion in revenue, four and a half billion in top line, and around 400 million in operating profit. Compared to 2006, they were at nine billion in revenue in 2006. So almost basically double in revenue in 2006 and a billion dollars in operating profit in 2006. So we're going back 12 years here. And this is so when when we hear people talk about we've come so far from where we were in the crisis and everything's overheated and gotten so crazy again, at least in the home building space, we're still a pretty far cry from where it was then. So when you look at the stock, do you look at that and think it's cheap, it's a potential buying opportunity, or do you think, you know what, there there are enough things going on here that it's not a screaming buy? I I would I would be concerned as the market seems to be in terms of where we are in the economic cycle. 
this has been this has been a long bull market, and we have been historically low interest rates, and interest rates are, in my opinion, hopefully they're going up because if interest rates are going up, it means things are going right. But that's not really that great for home builders. If you're if you're looking at home builders, if you're thinking about home builders, I would be looking at the specifics of what they're doing, how they're building their business, how they're developing, and frankly, some of what I hear out of KB in terms of how they're focusing on the returns from from their home building operations. They just did a partnership with Google to integrate Google Assistant through some of their communities, which is pretty cool. So when you look at these kind of operational things, that's what I'd be focusing on because I would want to own a well-run home builder who's thinking about how to create a business that's sustainable over the long term as opposed to is the stock cheap right now or should I be worried at this part in the cycle well and uh, as you indicated uh, the fed meeting we're taping this before the fed announcement this afternoon so we'll uh, we'll see by the time this episode posts maybe maybe interest rates will have risen Two percent, three percent, even further, <laughs> um, which is uh, causing a lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home. And uh, fortunately, our friends at Quicken Loans are doing something about that. They're calling it the power buying process, and it works like this: Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer. And once you're verified, you qualify for their all-new exclusive rate shield approval. They will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. And the best part is, if rates go up, your rate stays the same. And if rates go down, your rate also drops. So you win either way. Exactly the kind of thinking that you would expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. By the way, when I was on the treadmill earlier uh, today, I, I had my music and the television was in front of me watching ESPN Sports Center. Rocket Mortgage commercial came on. I was like, hey, I know those guys. You know those guys. Uh, Lyft what, what do you run in, by the way? Excuse me? What do you run in? What shoes are you running in? Since we're talking talking shoes and running today. Uh, I've, got, I've got a pair of New Balance. Okay. I sort of alternate between a pair of New Balance and a pair of Nike. Okay. So, you are a Nike guy. Yeah. Well, well I'm... That's how you're so fast. <laughs> That's, not, that's Chris's secret. Chris Hill's running secrets revealed he runs in Nikes. Exactly. And exactly. That's why I'm so fast. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lyft is getting closer to an IPO, and who can blame them? Um, JP Morgan Chase is reportedly in talks to be the lead underwriter. That story came out this morning. Um, interesting to see the dynamics at play here among the investment banks because you have Goldman Sachs and Morgan mm-hmm, Stanley mm-hmm. not. Essentially, backing out of this yep. process because of their relationship with Uber, and so we'll see. But right now, I mean, the the latest reporting I saw on Lyft's IPO, and this was a, a few weeks back. It was, hey, Lyft is targeting an IPO in early 2019, like March or April of 2019. When you see today, it's Survey Monkey going public, and the stock up 60 percent. Last week, it was Eventbrite. Stock up seventy percent on its first day of trading. Do you think there are people at Lyft who are pounding the table saying, "We got to go public now. We, we got to do this right now." now. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no there's no process here. We just need to bring this to market. 
I couldn't I couldn't blame anybody at Lyft or Uber for thinking that way because it's especially because the IPO market was so lousy for so long and that's uh, that was part of the reason why you had these unicorn companies becoming unicorns getting so large in the private market because who wanted to who wanted to go into the public market when you were going to get an icy reception and then you have to you have all the scrutiny that comes with being a public market company that's changing so over the past so far this year I think we've seen close to $40 billion in IPO proceeds, which is up 65 70% from last year. So the cold IPO market is rapidly becoming much, much hotter. So you've got the companies, you've got their, their venture-backed sponsors. You've got their not venture-backed sponsors. There have been, because there's so much money in these, in these uh, unicorns, you've got folks like Fidelity and Bailey Gifford investing in them as private market companies. So they're all pounding the table to get it out there. We were just talking about Nike trading at 45 times earnings. So this is a pretty good this is a pretty good time to be coming into the market if you're looking to do an IPO whether it'll still be that in early 2019 we'll see. Yeah, it I am I'm, I'm wondering and it's it's my ignorance of the of the intricacies of the IPO process, but I'm wondering to what extent they can speed things up. Like even if they said, "Okay, we're going to do it's a, every. It's a tough process. We're going to yeah. pull every lever we can to speed this process up. Does that get them public in 2018, or does it just mean, oh, well, we moved it from March 2019 to the first week of February? It'd be hard. It 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 really depends on the business. A simpler, smaller business probably has a little bit easier path. When you have a big and when you have big investment banks working on it, maybe they can push it a little bit faster. But you're still you've got to work with the SEC here, and that's a big that's a big hurdle in the process. So basically, you're submitting all of these materials to the SEC. The SEC's got to look it over, come back to you. And when you think about the complexity of the, the businesses with Lyft and Uber, when you think about all the investors involved in Lyft and Uber, I imagine that's not going to be a short process. Two quick things before we wrap up. First, your brother, Dave. Yeah. Dave Copenheffer, if you're listening, former fool, email me. I'm waiting <laughs> on an email from Dave Copenheffer, and I think he knows why. Um, second, speaking of running, we'll end on running. You are part of the Motley Fool's Ragnar Relay team. I am, yes, for so, the first time. This really the first time. First time. I thought you were part of the the first team we had years ago. No, no, no never done it. So, for those unfamiliar, the Ragnar Relay Relay is a twelve person relay race, usually in the neighborhood of two hundred miles. Yep. And so, it's your first time part of the team. Not to put any pressure on you, but I believe. The six times the Motley Fool has entered the Ragnar Relay, we've won whatever division we've been in. The corporate division. The corporate yeah. division. There's a long storied history. It is. So, but as someone who uh, I think the last time you were on this podcast, you had either you were either about to go run the Berlin Marathon or you had just run the Berlin Marathon. And funny. if memory serves, you ran that marathon in somewhere I'm going to say somewhere in the neighborhood of two hours and forty minutes. Yeah, good memory. Okay, so yeah, closer to two forty-one, but I'll, <laughs> I'll give you that. Wow. So, so, I, as as someone who is part of the Motley Fool and not part of the team, 
uh, I'm happy that you're on the the relay team because well, I, I feel like you're going to bring something to the table. I, I hope I bring fun to the table. I, I will say. I hope you is... bring speed to the table. <laughs> I don't give a damn about the fun that you bring to the table. I want you to bring speed to the table. Uh, we've got we've got a great team, and uh, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Good luck. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by the Iron Man, Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.